Oh man, we just sang some powerful songs, didn't we? Your love never fails. Oh man. Oh. If that doesn't rip out your heart, I don't know what does. You know, isn't it good to know that 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 we can we can rest in in God's presence because of him, not because of us. You know, because of what he has done and who he is, we can have like this solid sense of confidence all because of him. You know, not in and of ourselves. That last song hit uh, well who we are, right? We, we, are, we just need to surrender completely to him because we don't deserve any of him. But he loves us so much that he gives us himself. And then he invites us just to be in his presence. How, how amazing is that? That's just... I don't know, where else, where else do we want to be, right? Where else would you want to be? So we're in Peter. If you want to, flip there to 1 Peter. And uh, we know a little bit about Peter. Simon Peter, he's an amazing guy, did some crazy things, walked on water, you know, stuff that we do every day, right? Uh, and he, um, he's, he's uh, done all kinds of things. One of the things that I think highlights about Peter is that as he came to the end of his life, and he was uh, about to be martyred. He was hung on a cross upside down to not identify so much with Jesus and how Jesus was crucified. And uh, what, a, what a statement is that? You know, that, that's what we're told in history, that he was hung on a cross upside down uh, just so he wouldn't, like, die like Jesus did. That's, that's intense. You know, like if you're going to hang me on a cross, please don't do it like you did Jesus. Flip me over. You know, I, I just, I, I don't want to be like that. How, how, how intense is that? You know, uh, we'll never know that. We'll never know the intensity of that. But Peter writes these letters, and in this letter, he's talking about Jesus, being in Jesus. You remember, he's writing to Christians who are scattered all over uh, the country, uh, and we're going to learn something really cool about that uh, later on. I don't want to give that away. Uh, so he's writing to these Christians. They're scattered. But these are believers. These are people who have already given their life to Christ. They, they, you know, they gather and they sing the songs, Your Love Never Fails, just like we do. And, they, uh, and they're scattered all over. And they're being persecuted. And there's lots of bad going on around them. And the world is just as chaos as it is today. Uh, and, and so they're having to learn to live for Christ in a world that isn't. Sound familiar? Yeah, very familiar. And it's getting harder and harder by the minute. You know, I, I saw on the news, these things pop up all over the place. But there were a group of kids, uh, young people, teenagers, I think, at a prom. And they were eating out at a restaurant. And they were praying before they ate. Did anybody see that on the news? They were praying before they ate. And somebody didn't like that in the restaurant. <laughs> anybody got a comment for that? <laughs> You know, and, but that's how, that's how crazy it's getting. Like, if you stand for your faith. So I decided that well, when we're at a restaurant and we're going to pray, we're going to stand up and do it. I stand up, hold hands, and we're just going to say, here we are. We love our God, and we hope you will too. <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's how intense it's getting against 
the faith against anything connected to Jesus. And that's what the people were dealing with back then, and that's what we're dealing with now, and I think the intensity is only going to get worse. But Peter is saying to us that in Jesus, if you are in Jesus, if you've surrendered to him, given your life to him, you've been baptized into Christ, right? Your sins have been washed away, and the blood of Jesus covers you, and you are new in him. He says some things about you. And about us. He says, first of all, we talked about this, that we have this new birth into a living hope. And that's so cool. That alone is just so powerful. Just think of those words, a new birth into a living hope. That's so cool. I think that's amazing. And then he, ca- he calls us to live a holy life. This tough call right off the bat, chapter one, to be holy because I am holy, he says. I mean, that's a challenge for life, right? I mean, we'll never, ever really get there, you know, in this flesh. Spiritually, God sees us. We're holy because of the blood of Christ. But as we work it out in our life, you know, as we live it out, we're going to struggle, right? We, we fall down and we get back up and he wipes us off and he sends us on our way, you know, and, he, and we keep going, right? And, and it's a constant battle to represent God in a holy way in the flesh on the earth because it's so hard. I mean, there's so much coming against us. The world, our own, our own evil desires, you know, our own stuff inside us that wants to be selfish, you know, that nature that's in us that continues to battle for, like, first place in your life. And so he calls us to be holy, and we're working that out. We're trying, right? You trying? Yeah. We're trying. There you go. Okay, so then he says, live like, live like the original living stone. That's what we do. We get our eyes on the living stone, Jesus, the original living stone, and we become like him, like we are little l, little s, living stones. And I think that's so cool too. Don't you? I mean, that's just amazing that we can like follow Jesus. We can walk like Jesus. We can be little representations of Jesus in the world for the world to see. What an amazing call. Isn't that, isn't that like I mean, what else would you want to do? Who else would you ever want to represent? You know, we wear stuff. You know, we wear our our sports clothing, and we, you know, we represent this team. We're a fan. Big deal. We get to be living stones in the world for God. That's that's insane. We're going to look at one more thing here. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, I'm going to read this. And look what Peter says to us. And he challenges us again with this next section. Here's what he says, chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, I've heard that before, to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right or commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of of the foolish. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love your fellow believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if you bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because you are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, 
This is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd of, and the overseer of your souls. Oh, that's so good. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just look at that. Just, 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 I, I just, I'm going to talk and just pretend I'm kind of here and not here, but you just look at the word, okay? You just dig into the word right there, and, and, and we're going to kind of march through this uh, pretty quickly, but you look at that. There's so much good stuff here that Peter says to you and me. We're, we're believers, just like the people he's writing to, and we're living in a world that, just like they were, and the world is dark, and it's evil, and there's so much coming against the faith, and, he, and so, so it was with them, and so this, these words are so important for us. But his biggest challenge to us as believers is this, do good. That's it, just two words, do good. In the midst of it all, do good. Look what he says. He says that over and over again. And uh, doing, good, doing good in our world has become kind of a, a world thing. Uh, you probably notice this. There's so many, so many nonprofit groups, so many charities, uh, galas, all kinds of people raising money for causes. People generally, on a human level, want to do good. I mean, most people, not everybody. There's plenty of those out there that don't care about anybody else but themselves. Okay? But on a, on, a, on a human way, in an American way, and even in a world sense, people try to do good. Do you agree with that? I mean, we see these groups rise. Now, there's millions of these nonprofit groups that have risen up. And, and they want to help people. They generally uh, and genuinely want to help people. There's some gr uh, grief groups, right? There's addiction. Let me, let me show you some groups. Some are quite fun. Uh, addiction groups. There's Gamblers Anonymous groups. Uh, and then there's um, like disease groups and health groups and Alzheimer's groups. And then there's some like these, uh, like the Bug Eating Advocate Group. What is that all about? Anybody in that one? If you're in that group, you speak next Sunday. The bug eating advocate group. There's um, uh, the starborn, the starborn. How you doing, guys? Good to see you, man. Good to see you this morning. Man, I feel like I'm in Hawaii all of a sudden. <laughs> There's the starborn support group. You know what that is? That's in case you were abducted by an alien. There's a support group out there for you. Uh, you know. I don't know, that's crazy. There's all kinds of other groups like wildfire groups, nature groups, water group, animals, fish, birds. Uh, there's pet groups. There's obesity groups. There are liar anonymous groups. <clears throat> there's clutter support groups. How many of your uh, family members need that one? Clutter support groups. Right? Clutter. Clutter, clutter, clutter. Right? Here's one of my favorites, the Procrastinators Anonymous. I might join that one day. And then there's the, um, <laughs> the unknown charity, <laughs> in, case, in case they forgot one. Um, right, so people generally, all these groups just popping up everywhere, and their, their general uh, idea is to help one another, right? So it is a good thing, right? I, I think within us, all of us, God has put this sense of community and family. We know that from the beginning. We're made for relationships. And so people generally do care about other people. But most of these groups don't do it for Christ. They do it for 
the humankind. They do it as a people thing, not a God thing. And so while they're good, they don't acknowledge where that longing to be good comes from. They want to deny that. But people generally do want to do good. And Peter, in these um, verses, Peter's call to us as believers is do good for a purpose. Right? And that's the difference. He calls us to do good for a purpose. And he gets right into it. Look at verse 11. Sets up the verse. He sets up the verse. He says in verse 11, dear friends, right? Like that's kind of warming, right? Dear friends, this isn't a, hey, you believers. This is like, hey, guys, hey, family, right? Hey, dear friends. He says, I urge you. That's a strong word. I beseech you, your translation might say, or I appeal to you. Like, I urge you, don't, don't take this lightly. I am like, like urging you, be, be strong in this. He says, as foreigners and exiles, that's pretty cool, to abstain from the sinful desires, the fleshly lusts, which war against your soul. Verse 11, look what he says there. So he's saying, you live in a war zone. We live in a war zone, and the enemy is against us. He's coming up against us. The sinful desires are coming up against you. The fleshly lusts are coming up against you. Everything in the world that's anti-God is coming up against you. They war against your soul. See, that's where the battle really is. It's your soul. The devil wants to steal your soul, right, and take from God. He says, I urge you. As foreigners and exiles, look at this, you live in a war zone, this is hostile territory, you need to go to battle. You need to fight. You need to be ready to fight. And he says that um, they're foreigners and exiles, which is really a cool thought, because we know he, in, earlier in chapter 1 he said scattered. They're scattered. The cool thing is this, they are scattered, but they are gathered. See, we might be scattered all over the place, but in God's eyes, we are gathered. Like we are living stones spread out all over the world, representing God in the world, like lively living stones out there, strategically placed where God wants us. We may look scattered, and we may act scattered, but we are gathered in Christ, right? In Christ, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on. And we are gathered as living stones in his kingdom, and we are not of this world. That's pretty powerful stuff that we, we, are, we are scattered but gathered. Verse 12, he says this, Live such good lives. You get that? Like, not just live good lives but live like exemplary lives. Like represent God better than, than you can do it on your own. Like you try the best you can to represent God and let God like take it and multiply it. And you live such good lives among or in the midst or surrounded by the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, what? They may see your good deeds and Glorify God on the day he visits us. Do good. As you live in this world as a Christian, do good, right? You're in a war zone. He says, live like these living or lively stones. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said it kind of like this. Let your light so shine among men that they may, what? See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Right? Jesus said it himself, and here Peter says it, that we are to live such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they can't argue about your deeds. When they look at you, they see a person who not only says, I'm a believer, but your life backs it up. We've got a little ways to go, don't we? I mean, we all do individually, we do as a church, we do like as the Christian family on the earth because we let everything in. We let too much into our lives, we, we make it okay, we let it into our kids' lives, we act like it's okay, and pretty soon we've watered down who we are in Christ so much that the world can't even tell a difference. They look at us and we look like everyone else. And I don't mean by the way we dress, I mean by the way we act and by the way we talk. Look what he says here. He's talking about, when he says live such good lives among the pagans, primarily he's talking about our conversation, our speech, our talk, um, that, we, that we speak honestly, that we, our conversation is honest among the pagans, that, that they can't accuse you of lying or being deceitful or twisting things. That when you speak, you speak truth. You speak life. Right? This is where, like this in our conversation among the world, right? Because that's where we're supposed to be among the world, right? We are the light in the midst of the darkness. We're not to come out away from that. We're supposed to penetrate it. And when we penetrate it, we're supposed to speak as if Christ is speaking through us in every occasion. Because this is where, like, holiness and living stones impact the world. Right? That's where we impact the world. The dark world is, is in the midst of the pagans. And when he says pagans, he means the Gentiles, or those who don't have Christ, the ungodly. Okay, pagans seems like a real firm word, doesn't it? Pagans. We think usually when we hear the word pagan, we think like evil or occultish. But it's, it, it's very general. It just means anyone who isn't in Christ. Uh, non-believers, uh, non-Christian. So as you live among your co-workers who are not believers, your conversation, your speech should represent God in such a way that you are a living, lively stone impacting them for the kingdom of God. Man, that's what he calls us to in this world, right? And he says the evidence of your faith, like the evidence that Christ is really here, is your good deeds. Right? That your good deeds say who you are and you do what you do because of who he is and what he's doing in your life and how much you appreciate him. You live godly lives and holy lives, right? We don't settle for worldly lives. We, we, we raise the bar in our own life, not to win salvation or to be saved, but because we are saved. Right? I'm saved, and so now I want to represent God the best I can. And I'm going to whip myself into shape. Right? I want to be like Jesus. And I'm going to do everything I can do in my power to be that way. And I'm going to blow it. I do all the time. People point it out constantly. <laughs> Primarily my wife. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's sweet. I had to get that in there. So the evidence is our good deeds, right? Because the world is going to look for ways to accuse you, right? They're going to point out, they're, they're already doing that, maybe to you, maybe you've been there, where they're pointing out anything they can to accuse you, but when they see your good deeds, they can't argue with that, 
right? If your conversation represents God and your actions represent Christ and you're living a godly life, nobody can argue with that. Conduct yourself, right? Live such good lives among the pagans. Conduct yourself in such with such honor is what he's saying, right? And the purpose to do good is this, that, that God may be glorified. Right, that in the end, people look to God and say, what an awesome God. Like when we sing these songs, we, I, I, we say, what an awesome band. But really what we mean is, what an awesome God that is using this awesome band. Right, that's what we mean. When we're singing these songs, we're, we're not, you know, when we're clapping at the end of these songs, we're not clapping for the band, we're clapping because the message that we just sang, we agree with and we're like, God, we, we love you and we're just applauding you, God. We're not applauding, you know, our awesome guys up here because they are awesome because of God, right? Yeah, only because of God. (laughs) But they are awesome. (laughs) You too, Aaron. But they're awesome. (laughs) I didn't mean that like in addition. I just now like collectively. (laughs) But it's the awesome God that they serve that we love to applaud. Verses 13 to 20, no matter what your situation, look at those verses, no matter what your situation, uh, whatever cards you're dealt with, Peter is challenging us to do good. No matter what situation, your home life, your family life, your job situation, your career, no matter what cards you're dealt with, just take them and run with them, right? Whatever it is, you represent God. Look what he said, God will is that you do good. Verse 13 and 14, he says, submit, submit, Right? That's a word we don't like to use much, right? I mean, I got to, like, submit to something or someone? Yes, you do. Submit for the Lord's sake, right? For the cause of God, for the cause of Christ. With God's plan in mind, I'm going to submit, right? I'm going to submit my, my will to his will. I'm going to completely surrender, like we just sang, right, to human authority, That's what he says. Submit for the Lord's sake to all human authority, kings, supreme authorities, presidents, governors, and those who are sent by them to keep order. We're to submit to them as believers in Christ. And remember, Peter is writing to people who are being persecuted by those very people. They're being executed and persecuted and burned at the stake by the emperor and those he has sent to destroy them. And Peter says to them, you submit to them. Why? Because your good deeds. God, God can't use our bad deeds, but he can take your good deeds and he can silence people with them. Right? He can do so much good with your good deeds. Romans 13 says, verse 1, God has established rule and authority on the earth, right? And therefore, we're to submit to it and fall under it and line up with it. Verse 15 and 16, it's God's will that by doing good, look what he says, you will silence the ignorant talk of the foolish. How cool is that? Like most of the time we get in trouble, I get in trouble because I said something stupid or I said something wrong, or I acted wrong, and so I deserve the punishment, right? I deserve the negative comment. But when you do good, and you get that, and you know that you've just done good, and people attack you for that, I call that, I call that this. I call that the sports shh. You ever see, you watching sports, they're at the other team's uh, stadium, and they score a touchdown or hit a three-point shot, and the crowd just kind of goes silent. 
And they look up at the crowd and they go, you know that sports, like just scored a touchdown. Nobody can, they're not going to clap for the guy. He scored a touchdown. They're going to like go, oh. And the guy goes, to the crowd, right? Just hush the crowd. That's what this is. He says, you do good deeds so much that the crowd can't say anything about you. You know, you give them the sports, shh, that's what you do. That's what you do. Just keep that in mind next time you see it. Live free, he says, free, live free, okay? We could take that and go a lot of different directions. Uh, Some of us as believers take that and go crazy. Live free, free in Jesus, right? Free from bondage, free from our sin and our shame and the penalty of our sin, right? Free from that. We are saved, we are set apart, and we are under the rule of Christ, right? But don't, he says, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. You don't use your freedom as a ticket to be selfish or to step on grace and act as if you can do whatever the world is doing because now I'm free, as somehow I'm free now to go sin. No, you're not. Live as free, he says. Live free, free from bondage, right? But, but you're an instrument now of holiness. And somehow we got to reconcile what it means to be free in the world, but what it also means to be holy because God says, I am holy. We don't get to just go do whatever we want. Because okay, that's, what's, that's what's sending the mixed messages to the world. That's what's muddying the waters when people look at the church and when they look at Christians and they see conflicting messages coming out of us. We're saying one thing and we're doing another. That should not be, right? should not be. Live free, but don't use it as an instrument or a, or a ticket to sin. Okay, he says, live as God's slaves. Check that out. He's about to talk about slaves here in a minute, but he says, you live as though you've surrendered and you are now God's slaves. You are bowing at his feet and you are willing to do whatever it is God wants you. He is your master. You are surrendered to his plan. And grace is not a license to be selfish. Verse 17, he says, you show proper respect to everyone. Right? As you live on this earth, show proper respect to everyone, not just the people who do good to you, but everyone. That's like rulers, that's cultures, that's generations, that's the old, that's children, that's the opponents, that's everyone. Show proper respect to everyone. He gives us three, three examples of where we ought to show proper respect. He says, love the family of believers. Right? We do that. That's easy. So easy, right? I mean, it's easy to love people who love you. It's easy. And he says, fear God. Fear God, and he says, honor the emperor. We know what this emperor is about. Verse 18, he says, slaves, and that word means slaves. It means under the yoke of slavery. People who have been bought and are slaves. More than This is more than a household servant or an employee. This meant a slave, and in many cases, an unkind slave owner. Right? A master who was not nice to his slaves. And he says to them, you slaves, because some of these slaves have now become Christians and they have accepted Christ and they're now living under the household of a master who is not kind to them. And he says, you've come to faith, but with your mind on God and in reverent fear, submit to your master, not just the ones who are nice to you, but the ones who are, who are rough with you as well. Because when you do that... When you stand up under that pain and pressure, you represent God. And that no one can argue with. 
No one can argue with that. You do good. You do good. And then Peter illustrates in the last part of this uh, why we're to do good. We're to do good because the one who came from heaven did good. Okay, look at these verses. See, Jesus is the ultimate motivation. Jesus is the ultimate motivation of why we do good. And we do good because we are recipients of his goodness, right? That's why we do good, because we, we claim that we're followers of Jesus. So that means we're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to act like Jesus acted. We're going to say like Jesus said. We're going to treat people the way Jesus treated people. Whatever he did, we're going to do. That's, that's so easy and yet so difficult. But we're recipients of his goodness. Verse 21, he says, to this, to this good living, this goodness, you were called, right? You were called to follow the example of Jesus, to live a life of doing good on the earth to win people to Christ. Our prime example is Jesus, and he says, who suffered, who suffered for you, leaving you what? An example that you should follow in his steps. So just consider for a minute what Jesus endured. And in the midst of it all, he did good. Treated everyone with respect along the way. As far as we can tell reading the scripture, he did not say anything bad about anyone. He, he simply entrusted himself, and that's coming up. He entrusted himself to his father. And he just did good, and he let everything else fall into place, and God use his goodness to change the course of history. He's left us an example to follow in his steps. Look at verse 22. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. So that ties directly to what Peter just said about our conversation among the pagans. That our conversation and our lifestyle needs to line up with who we are in Christ. We're living stones in Jesus. We have this new birth into a living hope. We need to live that, right? we got to represent that with the things we say and the things we do. Verse 23, when insulted and when he suffered, he did not retaliate and he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That's what we do, right? We just entrust ourselves to God. We don't understand it. We don't know why things may happen the way they do. We don't know why people are going to attack us. We're just trying to do good. But we entrust ourselves to the one who will judge us. We entrust ourselves to a higher authority, right, to God. He himself, Jesus. Jesus is our prime example, our ultimate example. He himself bore, we just sang about this, our sins in his body on the cross. Jesus, did you catch that? Think about it. Jesus took all of your sins that you have committed, and the list is long. I know it is, because I know mine is. And all the sins that I will ever commit, he took those in his body on the cross. He is ultimate in doing good for you. He's so good. So that we might, he says, Peter, that we might die to sin and live for, what's the word? righteousness you know what that word means to do good to live a godly life to represent god in this world right godly living by his wounds by his beating by his attack against him you have been healed you have been cleansed we have been set apart to live in god's kingdom in in, in his economy like the way he wants not the way the world wants verse 25 you all were like sheep running away, right? Following the ways of the world. 
And then he says, but now you have, now you have returned to the shepherd. I love that word, don't you? And the overseer, not just of your human body, but of your soul. Wow, that's so powerful. That we have returned, and Peter's saying that you have returned to the keeper. Think about that word, the keeper of your soul. That, that goes way beyond the surface. It goes beyond everything that's physical. It goes about beyond everything that's in the world or in the universe. That is the keeper of your eternal soul. He is the shepherd. He is the overseer of that. And he says to these people that while they fight in this world, while they battle against the darkness, while they strive to live like lights in the midst of it all, that they have returned, they have given themselves to the keeper of their soul, and the question then comes back to us, have you? Have you? Like, have you given yourself? Have you returned to the maker and the keeper of your soul? Because i got to tell you, that's all that matters. Like, when heaven and earth pass away, when it's all over, all that will matter is your eternal soul. Nothing else will matter. Just forget about it all. Nothing, not anything. Your family, your kids, your stuff, your house, nothing matters. Your soul is all that's going to live forever. Have you returned to the keeper of your soul? If not, I hope you will. I hope you will. I hope you'll, you'll dig in, you'll seek him, you'll do whatever you got to do to discover who he is, and you will return to the keeper of your soul because coming to Jesus is a free gift. He invites anyone and everyone. It's on him that we come in. It's called grace, right? It's his call, his free gift of grace and salvation to you. But once you come to him, and what Peter's trying to tell the believers is once you've come to him and surrendered and given your life, now God sends you out as his representatives into the world, living stones like him, out into the world to bring others in. And that's our only purpose. To represent God in the world. You know, we, we get real big about the grace of God and the love of God, and he heals all the brokenhearted, and it's true, he does. But we use that sometimes as a ticket to get out of serving God. We use that as, as some kind of weapon to, to not go out and help others come in. We act as if I've got it and I'm good and I got this and I'm in grace and I'm in God's love and that's all beautiful. You are. But there's others who aren't. And God's concerned about them, just like he was you. right? Somebody, somebody did something to help you come in. Whether it's your parents or your family or a friend or a pastor or an elder, somebody somewhere along the line got your attention and God used them to bring you to him. And now he wants to use you to go out and do good and to bring others to him. That, we can't forget that part. It's so important that others know him. If you don't know him, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, do it today. Do it today. If you need to talk to somebody, I'm here. Come and talk to me. I'll help you. We'll talk about whatever it is your next step is to come closer to God. That's why I exist.